This is the Faith, Family, and Fundamentals with Fran podcast. Hey, family. Welcome to Faith, Family, and Fundamentals with Fran. Today, we're going to talk about hope, hope in our neighborhoods between the black and the blue. We must keep hope alive. Blessing, dream, and memory. How ironic that his children bear the names of hope. I have been lost for words for the past weekend after the senseless murder of Rayshard Brooks. After viewing the footage from the officer's body cam, along with recordings of others, it was painfully apparent that Mr. Brooks had been cooperative, pleasant, forthcoming, and very obedient. That is, until one of the two officers tried to place him into handcuffs. Up until that time, this young man had answered all of their questions, took a breathalyzer, surrendered his ID and car keys, and even offered to walk home all showing that he was reasonable and non-combative, all indicating that things should have ended quite differently than the death of yet another unarmed man at the impatient hands of police, the same police who has sworn to protect and serve. As the mother of two young black men, I struggle with the right words to say. You see, saying nothing is the easy way out, yet the silence is deafening. Just last week, I dedicated my Father's Day podcast to the loving memory of my father. God knows, had it not been for my dad being there and instilling such great confidence and love, I would not be the woman that I've become. My heart aches for those babies, blessing, dream, and memory. I pray for the family, but knowing what my dad meant to me, even as a grown woman with children of my own, I know that a solid piece of those little girls has been violently, senselessly ripped away. Unlike me, they will have to grow up and figure things out without the love, guidance, and confidence that only daddy, their daddy, can instill. Surely, there will be strong support and family members to embrace and even try to make up where daddy was, was absent, but none will be able to fit daddy's shoes. It's far too special, and that daddy-daughter thing That is intimately God-ordained. Just something about a man and how he loves, protects, and grooms his own feminine seed. I continue to pray for the little girls, the daughters of Rayshard Brooks, as I know that God is able, and no matter how things look, he is still in charge. I am reminded of being at home on Saturday where I was looking uh, for a document, which I have yet to find. For a while, I became very frustrated, almost to tears, as I knew I had seen the document just a few short weeks ago. I felt like throwing something, breaking something. I needed a breakthrough, and I believe God allowed me to experience that little setback so that I could better understand what those who are protesting under the sweltering heat of the day or the nocturnal moonlight, it seems the protesters are relentless. Yet they seek, as I sought, after a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough. We need to see the hand of God moving in the midst of this storm. I was quieted myself, even had to stop looking for the document. God's word came to me, reminding me that everything I need, he has already provided. I was then led to my computer where I found another document that revealed the same invaluable information for which I had spent three hours searching. 
my document and journey through the hide and seek may not have meant anything to you, but just know that everything you need and everything we need is already in our own hands. Second Peter 1 and 3, God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. Ladies and gentlemen, because God has given us all we need, we have got to maintain hope. You see, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It is my hope that today we are praying for each other. I am calling on us to pray for our communities and the police. I am hoping they, that we can forge a better relationship between the men and women in blue, the police, and our black and brown communities. Some fail to realize that the behaviors of some, and I do stress some, among the police, does not reflect the behaviors of all. In all fairness, I must sound the same caution when it comes to our communities. You see, there is good and bad in all communities and professions, and they show up in all different shapes, sizes, and colors. As a woman of color who loves people, not white people, black people, brown people, red people, I happen to love people in general. Yes, I do see color, but most importantly, I judge by character. I love people, and if I may digress and borrow from 1991 in the wise but simple words of Rodney King, can't we all just get along? I realize with that being said, someone is yelling. It's deeper than that. Yes, I understand. Indeed, it is. The incident, the egregious murder of Rayshard Brooks, along with the current state of affairs, brought back to my memory a very revealing initiative in which I participated as an educator. The program was entitled, If You Don't Know Me, You Cannot Teach Me. I'm inclined to believe, based on the repetition of the same narrative, that if you, if you don't know me, you can't police me. White officers, totally out of sync and even more unfamiliar with the culture and social norms of black communities, must receive more community-oriented opportunities and intense diversity training, not as an afterthought or on-the-job training, but prior to being placed in the position to carry a gun and taser around a group of people whose culture and social norms with which they lack familiarity and understanding. This must be a first step, just as important as learning how to handle his or her own service revolver. I think this initiative was attempted in the past when officers were sold low-income houses or low-cost homes to reside within neighborhoods in an effort to get to know the residents, learn and understand the socio-cultural norms, and maintain neighborly police presence. No, I did not say you must know everyone in the neighborhood, their grandparents and children. No, I'm, no, I'm seeking a better understanding between the blue and the black, police officers and the black communities. We have got to regain, regain our trust in our police of whom I still believe many have every good intention to protect and serve. I understand that everyone, everyone involved, the police and every individual in the black and brown communities 
want to return home safe, sound, unhurt, and without incident. I venture to say we all have that goal in common. Do no harm, cause no harm, and have no harm done unto us. My hope is that we practice this oversimplified statement. However, this hope can only be truly realized if we begin practicing doing unto others as we would have them do unto us. Yes, we have got to humanize each other. Be able to recognize people as humans equally important, if not to you, to someone, somewhere. Just as you mean the world to someone, every person you see, desirable or not, has someone at home or somewhere to whom they mean the world. Rayshard Brooks meant the world to blessing, dream, and memory, his beautiful little girls. You don't have to know to whom they mean something. Just know that everyone is a child of God, and we have got to start seeing each other as important. Yes, even those you or I do not know, I believe that I've got to be able to see people, especially those with whom I interact and try to impart knowledge as people with real dreams, emotions, and purpose. I've got to be able to humanize and relate to every one of my students, or I will become guilty of misunderstanding and mishandling my students, their parents, and the community in which I teach. By the same token, it must become an intricate part of police training to orient or orientate each for the neighborhoods where he or she will protect and serve, or the situation becomes a hazardous abuse of both the police officer and the waiting community, black, brown, or other. This is necessary to forge positive, understanding relationships, but most importantly, for each to humanize the other. See, to humanize means to make humane, civilized, kind, merciful, or considerate. Those blessed to police our black neighborhoods, neighborhoods of color, must be able to see our residents as people, real people, with real feelings, emotions, real families, and loved ones to whom we mean the world, and those young or old who mean the world to us in order to temper the interactions and reactions. Now, I did not say allow our communities of color to commit crimes and run amok freely. Not at all. I still desire order and laws. All laws must be obeyed. Trust me, no reasonable, logically thinking human being, black, white, or other, wants to exist in a state of anarchy. Anarchy is a state of lawlessness where people do whatever they feel they want to do and there is neither anyone they must answer to nor any legal consequences for their actions. God knows none of us would survive in such volatile, situational environments. The very thought brings me back to the police and black community. We have got to have immediate interventions to improve race relations because we need each other. Of course, I will be vilified for taking such a stance, but we really do need each other, and we have got to make intercessions to right this egregious condition. The cataclysmic events that included Eric Garner, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Rayshard Brooks, and so many, many more beautiful lives that have been tragically lost at the guilty hands of law enforcement, officers, 
should not continue to be the narrative in America and even more importantly, more immediately in our black and brown communities. You see, had any of these officers been trained and truly well-versed within the communities where they were challenged to police, each would have seen those individuals as real people with real lives, families, and full of purpose. They would have been able to humanize each of our fallen neighbors, making the outcome so much different. I learned through the initiative, if you don't know me, you cannot teach me, that becoming familiar with the culture, climate, and social mores of the children I teach made it so much easier for me to reach them because I found empathy, which made our cultures relatable. We were able to see each other in a more humanized light. The visibility was clear, and I, in my teaching position, was able to meet my students, yes, each of them, where they were, which made it so much easier to achieve far greater efficacy with teaching and preparing my students, not just for a test, but for life. I did not say we moved forward without some challenges, as that would not be true. Challenges are a necessary evil. With discomfort comes growth. But I was better equipped and more capable of dealing with my children, my students, because the visibility was made clear. I was willing to see them as my own, and they were able to see me as their advocate who truly cared, cared for them as individuals, as real possibilities, cared about their growth, development, and their ability to reason and become logical thinkers, their necessity to prepare for real life. I honestly do not believe I could be a successful teacher had I not been able to humanize my students and understand where they are coming from and their sociocultural norms. I did not even say I agreed with all of their norms, but understanding what they were and where they were came, where they came from created a world of positive difference. Police officers, if you do not know me, if you don't take the time to learn what I'm all about, you cannot police me. Reform must take place, not tomorrow, not next month, next year, but right now, which brings me to my next point. I can finally say I agree with President Donald Trump for quite possibly the first time during his presidency. I disagree with defunding the police and so glad that you want to know why. Defunding the police would be a huge mistake because we need laws, rules, and we must entrust someone, currently it is the police, to carry out or demand accountability to those laws and rules and when they are broken or the rights of others are infringed upon, the police is tasked with the responsibility of protecting the rights of each, even if that means another or others might have to be temporarily removed from the general population. Yes, even detained. Unless and until there is a viable option in place, boots on the ground, and fully operable and capable to act upon the greater good of peace and safety for all, defunding the police is a foolish, short-term remedy for a lifelong reality. I know that defunding the police may sound good, as so many have lost confidence and trust in the police, but who will we call when someone is actively breaking into our homes? Who do we look to when people are fighting even shooting outside or in the streets. 
Who do we call when being forced off of roads to the tune of road rage? Or when some disgruntled individual pulls his or her gun on you or me, on our child or our children, because they're having a bad day? I know we are emotional, hurt, angry, and some of us are even mad right now. And we have every right to be. But this is a good place to seek God for protection and direction because the climate is the climate in which we are living has stirred up the very emotions that cause us to make hasty decisions without fully deliberating or examining the impending consequences. I repeat, all police are not bad, but the spotlight has certainly been focused on the deadly, disgusting, egregious behaviors of some. And please note, my heart aches for my communities of color. But let me reiterate, there must, there must be swift and sweeping reforms if the relationships between black and brown communities and the police are to be repaired. You see, when people are truly humanized on both the black and blue sides, an officer could not kick or stand upon any part of the body of a fellow human being, even if he has done something wrong. A first reaction to a wounded person when all have been humanized would be to render aid and assistance because this is another person and and I want us all to make it and be well. When one has humanized the people within the community for which he or she is responsible, firing a deadly weapon would have to be the very last resort and only used in the event that the lives and well-being of others, oneself included, are presently threatened and immediate danger is imminent. And even with that, shoot to kill might become shoot to disable, if possible. When I witnessed by video a white man restraining a black man in a chokehold, the same black man who repeat or repeated, I can't breathe. Yet he maintained such a hold without so much as a gesture or movement to allow oral airflow. That's breathing, people. He who restrained could not have seen that man that he was restraining as a human, deserving of mercy, some physical, life-saving relief that some would demand for a dog. Images of another white officer with his hands in his pockets as his knee firmly pressed against the neck of a black man, not resisting, on the ground, helplessly pressed, prostrate pleading for his mother and saying, I can't breathe. No individual, police officer or not, could strike such an arrogant pose had he truly humanized the man whose carotid artery he knelt on until death became his relief. You see, people don't treat other people this way, not those who have been able to humanize one another. However, The curse of systemic racism says it is okay to treat blacks disrespectfully without regard for dear life, as if we are untamed animals somehow fit to be put down. It is a must that we pray against such evil, twisted thinking, and ask God to remove the sin of racism. And just for the purpose of reference, slavery. Slavery was the twin brother of racism. And when it ended, when it was finally cursed to death, Racism stood up tall to avenge the death of his twin brother, whom he will die trying to resurrect. 
It is up to you and me to fight such an evil curse with our behaviors, our prayers, and uplifting our own families, neighbors, and neighborhoods. In the words of Frederick Douglass, slavery is not abolished until a black man has a ballot. Today we can all vote. However, that process is another questionable subject for another day. Today I say racism will not be abolished until, in the wise words of the late great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., every person is judged by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. I also state the black community and police will never enjoy mutual trust until reform humanizes each one to the other, no matter what skin color or neighborhood. Which brings me to my final point. We, the communities of color, must be the first to humanize each other within our own communities. We must be the first partakers of peaceful fruit. I have witnessed my people African-Americans, black people becoming angry and accusatory when the question of black-on-black crime is called into question. I, too, believe that black lives matter. Oh, yes, we are in control of what takes place within our communities. Like it or not, we are hypocrites. I'll repeat that. Like it or not, we are hypocrites if we are holding the police and white or whites at large, to buy into the mindset that black lives matter. When we accept it as a social norm, when we look the other way or behave as if it is less important that a black life has been ended at the guilty, bloody hands of another black individual or fellow community member. You see, we should be more incensed than when it happens at the hands of the police for it to happen between us folks of the same race, folks of the same neighborhoods. Our silence is deafening when we say nothing or no longer react when a black life is brutally lost at the hands of another black person. I must pose the question, do black lives only matter when black lives are ended by the white police? I'm certain that someone is screaming. Now you are talking about two different things, but are they really so different? You see, if I fail to respect my home, keep it neat and clean, and roller skate all over my hardwoods, allow my sons and husband to walk around eating, dropping crumbs all over while wearing their boots on my clean white carpeting in my living room, what can I expect visitors to do who witness our behaviors in our house? They too, my visitors, who do not live here, will equally disrespect my home. Understand all guests will have learned those behaviors, the disrespect and disregard for my humble abode from me. You see, I must be the first to show respect to my home and the people in it in order to expect others to equally show respect. For those who have not yet gotten the point, people will treat you. People will treat you and me as we treat ourselves. If our neighborhoods have grown pervasively desensitized to black on black crime, seeming to provide a pass to blacks who commit horrific crimes against one another, why are we surprised that the racist system would not be too torn up about coming in and treating us the same, if not worse? Such behaviors make it easy to see those in our black communities through dehumanized lenses. 
Oh, yes, black lives really do matter. I have even heard police officers refer to black neighborhoods as the jungle and the people as animals. Please understand, I am not saying I agree. I totally disagree. But I do know that we are responsible for making sweeping changes within our own communities as charity begins at home. If I fail to love, respect, and lovingly correct the wrongs within my own community, no one from other areas will ever be able to do that for me, for us. Now this thing is deep because it begins as early and as intimately as at home. I find it strange that we never want to admit that each time there is necessity for change, we have got to look deep within, looking at ourselves, first individually and then collectively. We have got to do better with our families. Fathers and mothers, we can no longer allow the streets and peers to guide and raise our children. After all, your child, your children are your God-given responsibility. And you must, I must, we must stop abusing our children by not leading, guiding, and raising them appropriately. God's word, train up a child in the way they should go so that when they are older, they will not depart. Some say that's really simple, but I say if you are really doing it right, if you are truly directing your children with the charity and admonition of the Lord, You are truly doing a huge job, a labor of love, because we want our children to be the best, and we have the best. We want them to have the best, but that comes back to our neighborhoods. See, we cannot expect the police to enter our neighborhoods and humanize us when we don't seem to humanize ourselves or one another. By the same token, we demand better police interaction by the way we interact with each other within our own communities. We can no longer look the other way or pretend it's not my problem. I'll mind my own business. This is our business. Because if you have not been paying attention, the very same issues that once affected other people in other places are now the very same problems that plague our neighborhoods of color collectively I've always been taught to do my part of course if you've been listening to my podcast you know that I believe in prayer so it is always a major major part of my plan God's word said pray without ceasing the word also said prayer without works is dead that means we have got to keep praying but also take action at one point I thought neighborhood organizations homeowners associations at least in the city were a bunch of people blowing a lot of hot air please forgive me for such erroneous thinking in this day and age with the climate and wars within our own communities I have gained a new respect for neighborhood organizations we must band together because we need one another to survive a very wise woman once told me I have got to teach others how I must be treated. And I can only clearly show that by the way I treat and conduct myself. Yes, it begins with me. My mother, a very wise woman, told me to always present myself properly as it dictates to others who I am and how I expect to be treated. 
So I take pride in sharing with you. Be mindful how you present your neighborhoods, how we present our neighborhoods. As our actions and interactions with each other dictates to everyone else, especially the authorities or law enforcement, how we expect to be treated. If you cannot take my words at face value, take some time to move around various black or brown neighborhoods and pay close attention to how law enforcement interacts with the residents, the same officers from one neighborhood to another. Be sure to make comparisons like who is in the neighborhood. Are the areas clean and well kept? The various activities and police presence. After completing this day or evening of personal examination, consider the police who come into our black neighborhoods and how they may feel or think after showing up within the same neighborhoods. Consider their perceptions when they are neither familiar nor comfortable with their surroundings. The same environment that may often make people who look like us, me and you, feel uncomfortable and threatened as well in what should be friendly territory. I will take it one step further. Ask yourself, would you allow your 13, 14, or 15-year-old son or daughter to attend a house party in that neighborhood on a Friday or Saturday night? Ask yourself why or why not, and be very honest. To thine own self, please be true. I can hear the thoughts of some saying, but we're not the police, to which I say exactly. That is my point, exactly. Now, after the police has been warned about our neighborhoods, these neighborhoods of color, and the social ills, as they say, that exist, what exactly are your expectations for an officer who has, number one, been fed a preconceived perception of danger, be it present or implied? Number two, observe a group of people sometimes abusing themselves and others daily. And number three, a high rate of black-on-black crimes, which infers a lack of self-care, a lack of self-respect. At a glance or even a closer, more intimate look, many of our communities appear to others to lack a sense of care, self-love, and compassion for one another. So how can we demand that the police or a systemically racist legal system enter our neighborhoods with anything short of disdain and reproach? Please know, I am trying to remain objective. As I am a black woman, born to and raised by black parents in a black neighborhood with currently a black husband and, a, and black sons residing in a black neighborhood. So your pain is my pain. Your struggles, my struggles. We are all in this fight for humanity together. Not only must I remain my brother and neighbor's keeper, I am my brother, my neighbor, Rayshard Brooks, Ahmad Aubrey, Brianna Taylor, and so many, many more for each fallen neighbor, for our families and communities. We must keep hope alive. Please know that black lives truly do matter. Hope is a feeling of expectation, a longing, trust, and desire. It is the basis for working hard, for doing all that is required. 
The change we desire and demand to see is the change that must start with you and with me. When you, Mr. Officer, come to my neighborhood, as you so often do, please see me as a human being the way that I see you. I've always been taught no fear as you come to protect and serve. But the painful visions of hate and racism forever scarred. I'm lost for words. Is this still the country of which the Statue of Liberty boasts? A land where all could come be free, an accepting, saving post? Why does it seem my protectors in blue, true, treat us as differently? When they look at us in our neighborhood, I wonder what they see. Is it men and women working hard to live a proper life? Or is it something inhumane to meet with stress and strife? Are our neighborhoods perceived jungles or cesspools they abhor? Or a series of places with black and brown faces to work out anger for sure? Up to you and me, darker brothers and sisters. Take back our neighborhood. Let hope and pride and love abide. Show our neighbors wholesome and good. Must treat one another with love and respect. Stop hate from ruling and reigning. And before the blue comes with their badges and guns, must be intense diversity training. A house divided cannot stand. A rule resounded by Christ. Must pray and unite, save our communities, our life from this racist humanity heist. Too much blood has been wasted, precious life lost hasted, our community stripped of pride. When we think of our youth for our children, the truth, fear and pain stir restlessly inside. So much death, abuse and destruction minimize and hurt to the core. The audacity of hope versus the shame of racism, then what do we work so hard for? See, racism is the beast that consumes faith and hope, that steals our humanity. It is the enemy of love that kills, steals, and destroys, then mutes our destiny. The same unmitigated gall that looms dark and tall always speaks without a word. Behind badges not knowing and actions clearly showing, black lives matter, constant actions, yes, verbs. Can they truly not see our value, you and me? and the gifts we all have to give? Has our worth been smothered by violence between brothers? Here, Kedron Bryant, we all just want to live. We must band all together because we need one another, praying holy to accountable too. Raise our children with love and kind guidance from above, uplifting friends and neighbors, every hue. God knows we're in this fight together through fierce and calm weather. No love can ever run deeper. Every sister, every brother, young and old fathers, loving mothers, we are each our neighbor's keeper. As the neighborhood you see reflects the souls of you and me, represents how and who we are. Today is the day we must find our own way, for our black community is worth it, for sure. God's word has declared, admonished and shared, all we need is not hard to find. For each of us has been endowed, eyes looking beyond the clouds with greatness in our soul, heart, and mind. The change we desire and demand to see is the change that begins with you and with me. Systemic racism and bad decisions took the father of blessing, memory, and dream. Pay attention, my brothers. You can survive and discover. Hope and prayer make life better than it seems. Keep hope alive and love yourself. Take care of each other. Strive for higher. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Hold our community accountable above all else. 
for each we pray uplift, encourage, and inspire. Well, family, this is number eight of Faith, Family, and Fundamentals with Fran. I appreciate you for listening. While we must hold our elected officials in our neighborhood, law enforcement officers accountable, we must, we must first hold ourselves and our neighbors accountable for our own outcomes. Realize that everything we need, God has already given to us. Please continue to pray for the police, that they'd have good humanized judgment as they lay their lives on the line each time they put on the uniform. Ask God to humanize everyone they encounter. Continue in prayer for our communities and our ability to humanize every neighbor as we become the change we want to see. God is able to renew, rebuild, and revive. Keep hope alive as you pray that God's peace will abide in our midst. God restore a humanized relationship between the black and the blue as we know God is a God of peace. Lastly, I offer my heartfelt condolences to blessing, dream, and memory. The beautiful daughters and family of Rayshard Brooks, let us please keep them in our prayers. Please be sure to comment, question, or suggest a topic that you'd like to explore in the near future. Who knows, you might just end up being a guest on an upcoming episode. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Remember, I'm just a regular girl navigating this diverse world. Looking forward to each of you. As always, take care of yourself, each other, and stay blessed. The Faith, Family, and Fundamentals with Fran podcast is a production of the Castropolis Podcast Network. Log on to castropolis.net.